Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Jacob, my man, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. Our future's bright, man. Our future is so bright because after everything that that we talked about, everything that we talked, I can see too, everything that we talked about, right, on last week's show came to fruition outside of the Jacoby Brissett blue balls, right, that I am suffering from. To be clear, I was was pretty sure that was what was going to happen. I would like to make clear that I was not on board to play Brissett. Well, it started so hot. It started so hot. But we talked a little bit about Kadarius Tony. I talked about yeah. it on Twitter how I forgot to mention Christian Watson, who was one of my favorite plays of the week. I know. So- I, yeah, that one upset me. The Watson thing upset me where that, that ended up being a core play for me. And unfortunately, I didn't get to talk about it on the show because to me, it became a core play mostly when Pollard became like the, okay, everybody's going to play Pollard situation. I was like, how am I going to leverage off of this? I started playing a bunch of Watson. Uh, and I wish we talked about Watson on the show. Yeah, I mean, but I ended up winning big, big money, of course. So I went out. I, I picked up some Pit Viper sunglasses. I got a few pairs <laughs> of these guys, right? And uh, I ended up picking up. Oh, I had a lobster dinner. I, I treated Ooh. myself and my roommate to a lobster <laughs> dinner. Uh, she nice. scared the shit out of me with one of the lobsters. It was pretty funny. But but we won some big money last week. So, so we're here to come back, step up. I'm, I'm trying to erase the blue balls. I, I need to, to get off <laughs> even more than what I did last week, right? I need to really get off this week because those blue balls from Jacoby Brissett left me unhappy and we need to hit. So today, Jacob, today. Yeah, today. We are talking a little bit about the Vikings Cowboys. We are talking a little bit about the Bears and the, the Falcons. Uh, we have some Lions Giants. We have some Colts and mm. oof, oof, oof. Uh, we have so yeah some Colts game like like we have so much to talk about we have so much to dive into. Are you ready to kick this episode off and and get down to the brass? Hell yeah, man! I'm extremely ready. Let's do this. Oh, that's right. The shades are going up for this <laughs> one. If you guys are not watching, if you guys what is this? How, how does shades even do that? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I need they're, to they're get me a sick. pair of vipers. And they're magnetized too. It's it's even more badass. Oh my now, gosh. We're doing some work over there with Pit Viper and Trophy Smack. So of course, nice. you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I'm I'm repping Pit Vipers in an effort to to partner up with these guys. But no, we're here to talk some DFS. Welcome on in, everybody. We're here to help y'all make some money, just like we did last week. The week before that, I think we had one rough, rough week where where our takes just didn't hit. But outside of that, we've been making you guys money week in and week out. So we're here to do it again, Jacob. We are here to do it again. You guys can go find all of our content over there on Twitter. Mine is at FF underscore intervention. And Jacob's handle is at Jacob Sanderson. Brand new handle for Jacob over there. So make sure y'all give us a follow. That way, if we do put stuff like Christian Watson on my my timeline, on my Twitter feeds, because we forget to talk about it in a show, you still get the update. You still get the alert. And you can get them into your lineups like you should have had them. Now, Last night was a little bit of a bad beat, right? We talked a little bit about some some mm. stuff before this show where I would have won $1,200 if Aaron Jones would have had at least 25 yards receiving, right? He ended up having seven targets, eight targets, depending on which side you go to, had six receptions. He should have done it. He should have done it, Jacob, but he didn't do it. <laughs> so now I'm rolling into this week, and I'm like, man, I, I got to figure out. I got to figure out how I cannot let that happen to me again. And I feel like the answer here is to just go ahead and play pretty much every player from the Vikings and Cowboys game because I feel like this game just has shootout written all over it. How do you see this game going? And then I'll dive into my players and who I want to play for DFS. I mean, it's an interesting game for sure. Uh, Probably two of the best offenses on the slate. The Vikings defense has not been particularly excellent. It's not a horrid defense by any stretch either. Uh, but they've also had a pretty soft schedule. So, you know, I think that their their defense is certainly gettable. And we saw the Bills certainly go up and down in the field against them. The Bills go up and down the field against most teams. But they've really only played 
a couple of high-end offenses being the Eagles and the Bills. Neither had a particularly high degree of difficulty moving down the field. The Dallas defense is always a little bit more interesting. I mean, they they obviously, uh, Green Bay somehow came to life against this Dallas defense. It was a little fluky to me. Like there was a lot of big plays in there, these Christian Watson kind of breaking away plays. I, I think that that's, if there's a route where this game doesn't hit, you know, Dallas is kind of a double-edged sword where when they get pushed, they could be a really fun team for DFS where Dak is slinging it to CD and Gallup and Schultz and everybody. And if they're able to control the game with their defense, then they're not as fun, right? Then that's when they go as Zico's. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to the the benefit of this game, to the benefit of the situation, both teams have kind of had their hiccups as of late, right? I mean, you already brought up the fact of the the kind of the, I guess, miscues over there by Dallas. But, I mean, miscues are nothing new from Dallas, right? Like, we've seen Trayvon Diggs in the past jump routes and get beat. Like, we've seen plays happen. But, I mean, Dallas, the, the biggest area that you want to attack essentially is the slot. So, in my opinion, there's three ways that, that we can actually kind of break down this game and attack it, right? We can fade Justin Jefferson, like, completely, right? And we could just go with all these other assets in this game and, and hope that the people that are playing this game, like, the game still ends up hitting big, but the people that are playing this game end up having Jefferson. And Trayvon Diggs, who's done a good job against everybody except for, like, Darnell Mooney and Cooper Cup, pretty much Cooper Cup actually, by himself, uh, you know, we could hope that that Trayvon Diggs actually does shut down Justin Jefferson like he's done everybody else. The second way is go heavy on the Vikings double stacks with Justin yep. Jefferson in there uh, because you could play Kirk Cousins, you could play Justin Jefferson, and then go and take your pick of Adam Thielen, of Hawkinson, even of Dalvin Cook to an extent, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Dalvin's more of a small, like Dalvin plus Jefferson would be more of a small field situation. Yes, yeah, 100%. And then the third way is attacking the, the Cowboys passing game. Uh, you know, even with Ezekiel Elliott returning, right? Because hopefully they don't decide to run it, you know, 25 times, 30 times this game. And we just attack, we attack and, and hope that the people that are playing Pollard, you know, somehow get eaten up by, by Zeke's touches. Zeke doesn't get enough. And now we have Dak Prescott throwing like he has been over the past, you know, couple of weeks where it's been highly efficient, highly beneficial for fantasy numbers, and maybe even get some rushing yards in there. Yeah. I mean, I think Dalvin Cook is probably my favorite play in this game. Uh, we saw last week, really the way that you deal with a team with this kind of pass rush that Dallas has is you run at them, right? You run at their pass rushers. You force them to get involved in the game that way. If you just drop back and pass against Dallas, they're, they're, gen- they're going to have a lot of success against you in that kind of environment. Uh, Dalvin Cook is one of the, might be one of the top projecting running backs that probably doesn't project to be extremely high owned. Like just kind of a flat tier at the top that's going to be sucking up a lot of ownership. And especially when you look at the Dallas side, you know, I think a lot's going to default to CD because there's just nobody else who projects a particularly fantastic play, right? We haven't really seen Michael Gallup flash any sort of ceiling this year yet since coming in from an ACL. Uh, Dalton Schultz will certainly get some play, um, but you probably aren't playing the running backs that have a lot now with Z coming back into the fold. So a lot of the Dallas ownership is going to come through Lamb. To me, if you want to play CD Lamb, right, it's going to be really hard to play him with Jefferson. You know, yeah. and if you're playing him down with like Hawk or with Thielen or whatever, I, I'm not sure that you're getting that same kind of ceiling. Uh, I would personally probably try to play him uh, with Cook. Cook has that 40 point upside, uh, and I don't think you're going to be eating a lot of ownership there. And so maybe you get him and CD. You're still under 25% combined. They complement each other well. I think that's how I would play it if I'm playing CD Lamb. So with CD Lamb, right? Like I love CD Lamb. He's most likely going to be chalk this week. And the only way that I'm really going to be able to get CeeDee Lamb into my lineups with Justin Jefferson is if you end up playing like a a less expensive game. Like if you want to go and try and attack, you know, Taylor Henneke up against Houston and you get a bunch of cheap options leveled in there and then you can play, you know, a a skinny stack essentially with these guys going up against each Mm -hmm. other. And then you just hope that the quarterbacks don't hit outside of their attempts to to CeeDee Lamb and, and to Justin Jefferson. But uh, for me, when if I do fade Jefferson, right, because I talked about this being the number one way, you know, I think there's an opportunity to go with a stack with Thielen and Hawkinson. I think there's an opportunity to go with a, a stack of Hawkinson and, and Dalvin Cook. I think there's an opportunity to go with Thielen and Dal- Dalvin Cook. So I think that you can go about it a few different ways if you do decide to, to fade Justin Jefferson. And I think that you can end up playing CeeDee Lamb on the other side as long as you're playing Adam Thielen play Hawkinson yeah. it might still be too rich for the tight end position so you might end up having to fade uh CeeDee Lamb on that aspect but if you can play Thielen 
in either Hawkinson or Cook, there is a way that you can get CeeDee Lamb into your lineups. And I, I kind of like playing that stack. The second option, though, is like the double stacks, and they're going to be expensive. If you stack Justin Jefferson with Hawkinson, expensive as hell. You can't play CeeDee Lamb. If you stack Justin Jefferson with Dalvin Cook, you can't play CeeDee Lamb. So then you're going to have to go with a cheaper option for Dallas. And outside of CeeDee Lamb, I want to attack the slot, right? Because Patrick Peterson's been a, been a beast. Shannon Sullivan has been a, a shell of what we saw from Cam Dantzler, which he's out now on IR. And mm-hmm. we've been seeing Shannon Sullivan been run all over. So I could see myself with some Michael Gallup, right? And I could see myself playing the slot with Noah Brown. But I don't love that. Who I love playing over there is Dalton Schultz. So if I'm going to try to do a double stack with the Vikings, I think Dalton Schultz, and Michael Gallup and Noah Brown are going to have to be in your lineups as long as you're, you're playing Jefferson as well. The other way is attacking the, the Dallas passing attack, right, where we have Dak Prescott, who's looked good the past three weeks, uh, putting up fantasy-relevant numbers finally, something that we expected to happen from mm-hmm. the start of the season. And like we said, we see a regressing Vikings defense that's allowed teams to pass all over them over the past three or four consecutive weeks since they faced Miami, since Dantzler essentially got hurt. They haven't been able to perform. So it's a team that's forcing turnovers. They're getting a ton of sacks. They're getting a ton of turnovers, but they're also allowing some big plays to happen behind them. And Michael Gallup is kind of like the recipe here for that. So I actually like some some uh, some lineups where we're playing Dak Prescott, where we're playing Michael Gallup, who probably is going to have almost no ownership whatsoever in a high-scoring game. And then you can end up lining up with, uh, with Dalton Schultz, who's seen a decent amount of slot, slot snaps and has seen an increased workload over the past three consecutive weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this game. It's a fun game. It's probably not the game I'll play the most, and it's just kind of what I said. Is just Dallas is just a, t- a difficult team to attack um, from a DFS perspective when Zeke is in there, and, and it's just because, like, ideally, what I want to look at when I'm really trying to attack a team is, you know, either either it's a team that I think is in an undervalued spot by the market where people just aren't really playing the team, and then I just play sort of their obvious best players, or it's a spot that people want to play. But there's like one really strongly projecting option that just is kind of getting lost in the shuffle because people are playing it another avenue, right? I mean, you look at last week, it's like everybody's playing Pollard. You know, you could play Lamb. This week, it's hard. Like, you're really the guys are Lamb and Schultz. I think Gallup is, is interesting. He doesn't project particularly well, but I think it's at least an interesting way to get access to the game. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's Lamb and Schultz to project well. It's a good spot. They're going to be on. And I don't really know what else to do. So I, I think that's the issue is I, I play this game. It forces me to get more different with the rest of my lineup, which is why I'm probably not going to play uh, quite as much of it. I mean, I will say, I think there's a case to be made to play Tony Pollard. I mean, I know what they're saying, uh, you know, about they go as Zeke goes and Zeke's going to have his regular rollback. I think that's the most likely scenario, right? I do think that's the most likely scenario. But a projected 2% ownership, you know, what, what if Pollard has, you know, instead of his regular 40% of snaps, it's more like 60, 65% of snaps. Like he can pay off with how efficient he is, but that kind of, I mean, that's, that would essentially be the role that he had against the bears three weeks ago uh, in which he, he paid off over 30 points. Right. So maybe they still find room after how well he's performed to not give Paul the workload he had last week, but to get him still four or five targets and 12 to 15 carries. I mean, they could do that and find 12 to 15 carries for Zeke. And that's, that's a low ownership way to get an access to a legitimate ceiling. I'm not sure I'll do it, but but I'll throw it out there as an option. Okay, I, I could see that happening. It's not something that I would actually you know fall in line with. It, you know, I'm not a big Pollard guy as a whole, unless he's has the whole backfield to himself. But I could see it happening. Let's go ahead and hop on to your first game that, that you want to discuss. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, the Bills and the Browns, a game that it looked like people would probably be Xing out in DFS except for the defenses midweek uh, during the snow uh, fears. The game has now been moved to Detroit. There's still concerns of whether the Bills will actually be able to travel to Detroit for the game. You know, potentially this game ends up getting pushed back. Maybe we'll, we'll see. I Tuesday assume night! That, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just say I'm assuming for now that it's going to be on this main slate somehow. Uh, you know, if it isn't, obviously disregard this. Um the reason why I think I like that this game maybe a little bit better is I just feel a little bit stronger about ways to play this game where players, I think, project fairly uh, and, and they're not going to end up being as popular. Like we're going to see a lot, as we always do, on Diggs, on Josh Allen. You know, I, I don't perceive Gabe Davis as having a particularly high degree of ownership in this spot. I mean, it's a pretty ideal situation for him where he gets to be in a dome. Uh, in a game with a high over-under, 
I mean, he's coming off now also actually earning a lot more targets these last three, four weeks than you regularly see. Josh Allen looks to be fully healthy. So I really like Gabe Davis in this spot as a way to play Allen uh, with not digs. And I'm okay with Knox in this spot as well. If you want to add him, he's always a touchdown threat. And then on the way back, you know, the whole talk of the town now in the last couple of weeks has been that, okay, anytime they're on the road, you have to play Donovan Peoples-Jones. You can't play Amari Cooper. He sucks on the road. He doesn't sleep well. He doesn't do anything. Uh, can't do anything on the road. I mean, look, DPJ is, is an entirely affordable and playable uh, $4,600. I don't think he'll be super, super owned. So I think that's doable. And I don't think anyone's going to play Cooper at 6,400. Like, I think you could play Gabe and Cooper, have access to two high ceiling players that have both had 30 point performances this year, have like 5% cumulative ownership on your team, and then move on with the rest of your game. So that's probably my favorite way to play it. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough game, and it's really boring for me because I feel like you have like limited options, essentially. If Njoku's out, uh, you're most likely not going to play Harrison Bryant again. You know, you could. You might be able to. You might be able to sneak him in there. But you're going to be playing Nick Chubb. You're going to be playing Stefan Diggs. You're going to be playing Donovan Peoples-Jones. You're going to play Josh Allen, right? Well, if so, you're playing Nick Chubb, you'll be the only – I mean, he always comes in higher than you think, but but not very high this last week, and he won't be very high this week either. It's similar spot to last week. Yeah, I mean, so we can leave Nick Chubb out if we decide to do that. But essentially, if you're attacking this game, there's probably going to be a, a 60% chance that you're going to be playing Nick Chubb in the lineups that you're attacking for the stacks in this game. At least that's the way I feel about it. I just don't think that many people are going to be, or at least that many people are projected yeah. right now to stack this game because no, they were initially thinking that it was going to be somewhere else. So nobody's been talking about this game all week. So it could right. lead to projected lower ownership, or I'm sorry, yeah, projected lower ownership than than you know, what we would think it would be if the conditions were actually decent. Yeah. I mean, people like, you know, are people going to play the Brown side of this game at all? Is my question, right? Like, I think, I think a lot of people are just going to look at it. They don't want to play guys against the Bills defense. I mean, we just saw the Vikings go all over the Bills defense. They, they, ha- they have not, they're really injured, right? Like they are not yeah, they're the, beat the Bills defense right now. They're, they're the Bills defense in name only. So I think that's the main thing is like, I'm not going to play the Brissette stack, but I think you can play, you know, if I was doing a small field tournament, for instance, you know, something I might even do is play multiple Browns in the lineup because I think the only one that might even approach 10% is DPJ. Injoku also, by the way, coming up off, uh, I mean, I don't know if he's fully cleared, but I think he's more likely than not to play. And him at $3,900, if he actually is active, obviously check that on Sunday. I mean, he would have been, if we knew he was fully healthy as full role, $3,900, he'd be a smash play. You know, maybe he doesn't have that first week back. Maybe it's not even his first week back. But my point would be, I guess, I think there's a lot of Browns you can play. And if I'm doing a small field thing, I might even play Allen and Diggs and Singletary, capture all the touchdowns from the Bills, and then play Njoku and Cooper or whatever, just and play like a bunch of these guys. Mm-hmm. And if the game hits, you win. Um, in a large field, I'd probably just pick one. But I'm going to have secondary correlations of this game almost in every lineup because I, I think that the Brown side of this is is going really under the radar and they're a really fun concentrated offense in a game where they are going to probably have to play pretty quick to keep up yeah i mean i i like singletary in this one of course the browns have been subpar to, to say at best in terms of like their rush defense i mean we've seen the dolphins just run all over 119 yards from jeff wilson 65 yards from raheem mostert uh Gus Edwards had 66 yards and a touchdown against them. I mean, it's just week after week after week where we're just seeing teams run all over the Browns. So I think Singletary is probably the most interesting option. And honestly, I wouldn't mind doing the Josh Allen Singletary stack. I think that's actually a good move, and I think it's going to have very low ownership. All right, let's go ahead and hop on to the Lions and the Giants. Yeah. This game is relatively easy, right, because you should know where to go, right? Like, as soon as you you pick out, like, you know you're going to play Amon Ross St. Brown because the the Giants are are – subpar at best once again to use that term twice in a row uh, you know up in slots meanwhile we, we've seen teams beat them and they haven't faced any good teams whatsoever in terms of like their wide receivers so we could see Amon Ross St. Brown see the volume because there's nobody else to pass to DeAndre Swift obviously is not healthy or at least we don't believe him to be um, there still is not any other good wide receivers out there please Jamison Williams come to us come back to us man like get healthy so we can we can start betting on you but I you obviously got to play Amon Ross St. Brown I'm not going to be playing very much Jared Goff because we could see just a dominant performance over there for the Giants we could see a low scoring game and Jared Goff on, automatically gets eliminated however Daniel Jones who is averaging 3.5 scrambles per game 
uh, 3.5 design rushing attempts uh, per game is now in a position to almost just like explode onto the scene in terms of the rushing ability because the 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 Lions defense has been absolutely brutal, not just against running backs, mm. but also rushing quarterbacks. If a rushing quarterback ends up having over seven uh, rushing attempts, we've seen them go for at least 49 yards and a touchdown in each one of those performances, which is Geno Smith, right? That was a, the lowest one. So Daniel Jones, who just hit the rushing bonus, what was it, two or three weeks ago, yep. is now in a position to easily crush the rushing bonus this week. They're going to be running it a ton. They're going to be running it down the line's throat time and time and time again. Uh, we could see Daniel Jones, like I said, easily come away with 100 yards, a touchdown because the Lions have allowed the most touchdowns to the to the quarterback position, the most rushing yards to the quarterback position. I mean, Daniel Jones alone should be able to get us 15 fantasy points in his rushing upside. And then we talk about the passing upside. And the Lions haven't been much better over on that, that department outside of uh, Jeffrey Okuda, right? So teams have completely like avoided Jeffrey Okuda outside of like DK Metcalf and I think Alan Lazard. Um, we're going to see somebody on this offense in the receiving side of things really crush it. And Jeffrey Okuda, by the way, does not travel to the slot when the uh, receiver lines up in the slot out of the play. He'll travel to the slot once there's a motion and he's shadowing the guy, but he's not going to end up going to the slot. Uh, from the start of the play. So Wandell Robinson, he's let us down multiple times. I'm going to play him a little bit. I'm going to drip him in some of my lineups just to see if he can hit because you know that they're going to avoid Jeffrey Okuda. And the only other passing option right now is either Darius Slayton or Wandell Robinson. So I'm going to drip some, some Wandell Robinson in my lineups. And then Darius Slayton, I get nervous about because I think that Jeffrey Okuda could end up shadowing Darius Slayton for let's say 60 to 75% of the game. But, Darius Slayton is number four right now, four in premium, uh, premium target, and or I'm sorry, in target premiums. Like he is seeing long distance targets that yeah. are equating to to massive amounts of yards and touchdowns. So I want to drip some Darius Slayton in my lineups too, probably a little bit more than than Wandell Robinson because I just think that the upside is higher than Wandell Robinson. But I mean, outside of that, Saquon Barkley and and I like I like Tanner Hudson probably slightly more. Then I like uh, Cager. I, I, no. I think the Cager's fine. The, the routes weren't even close last week. It was six routes run to eight routes run. Yeah, but the snaps were 45 to 11. So, like, I, I understand, like, the routes have been kind of split up. But, like, we're talking we're talking one guy is out there all the time. Other guy isn't. I mean, it's just – I'm, I'm not the sure thing is, like we're, seeing, we're seeing no six targets. We're seeing six targets over the past two games – to Hudson compared to two going to Cager. Cager's out there to block. That's all he's doing. Right, he's blocking. He, so I'm not necessarily. I don't necessarily even want to play Cager. I, I was into Hudson last week. Like his role two weeks ago was great. He was running like seventy yeah. percent of the routes, and then this Cager thing came out of nowhere. Like you're right, he run he, he runs eight out of the twenty three routes, so he's not particularly yeah. playable. But but he submarine Hudson down under forty percent of the routes. So like. I don't know how you can play any of these tight ends. Like, I, I don't know. I just, it's not like we think any of these guys are good. So, so to me, it's like, I don't know how we play any giants tight end that is not getting even half the routes. Like I, I was bummed because I would have loved to play Tanner Hudson this week. Uh, if, if they didn't, do, if they didn't monkey, he's around still got three so targets. Much. He's still got three targets. Yeah, three but on eight routes. What are we going to do? I mean, what, are, what like the, three targets, is a great result on eight routes. Yeah, that's a huge target share. <laughs> um, yeah. But the issue okay. is, is that he's he's not running the routes. But I, like I said, I'm going to drip him in just as much as Wando Robinson. Like I have just as much faith in Tanner Hudson as I do Wando Robinson to give me a breakout performance in comparison to their their role, what their price is, and and you know who they're going to be, who I'd rather play in that position. So I, I'm going to drip him into a couple lineups, not a lot, but I'm going to at least put him in a couple because if he does end up getting a touchdown, that's an automatic payoff at his price. I mean, Tanner Hudson's. Literally, I'm mean, at bottom of the barrel, correct? Oh yeah, they're, they're bottom, bottom. Yeah, um, 2900. So he's he's 400 more than than the baseline. So yeah, yeah and then, I'll, and take, I'll take some Tanner Hudson. Is is, uh, is the stone men if you want to play Cager at 2500? I'm pro. I, I think I don't think I can play the Giants this week uh, outside Hudson. of Barkley. Tanner Hudson. N no. I'm, like, <laughs> so okay, so here's my issue, right? So Jones oh. is. Jones is like a good cash play in a vacuum. He might even be my 
I mean, I don't play cash, but if I did play cash, you might even be my, my cash quarterback. I'm excited to play him in any managed league for sure. I They use so many weird ass personnel groupings, right? Like we just they talked do, about with their tight ends where no tight end runs, you know, over, over 35% of the routes last week. They end up having four different receivers last week that run over 50% of the routes. Um, so, you know, Slayton's not even a full-time player. They're rotating in Kenny Galladay. They're rotating in freaking Isaiah Hodgins. You know, Wanda Robinson's playing in the slot. I think with Wandale, like, look, if you're going to be a low ADOP player, you need to have, like, massive volume. And he's really only shown that high targets per row run upside the one game against Jacksonville. Uh, I think it's within his range of outcomes this week for sure. But if I can't bank on that, then I'm, I'm struggling to get there with the ceiling for him. I feel like this is just a week where if you're playing Daniel Jones, even if he has a ceiling game, it's probably coming more through the ground. Like, I'm not sure that any other giant is very likely to hit 20 DraftKings points, even if Daniel Jones hits 25 or 30. And then it's like, well, do I want to play a naked quarterback when he's going to be fairly popular? Like, I, it's just a tough sell for me because then I'm bringing a bunch of people with me and I still have to make another eight lineup decisions on top of that quarterback. So that's that's why I just find that these times of plays are unattractive. Like, if Daniel Jones was projecting for like 2% ownership, you know, I could just be like, okay, I'm going to play him, spend down for him. I'll like essentially stack some other game, you know, that has a higher priced quarterback, right? Like I'll stack them, the Vikings Cowboys game, whatever, but I'll just play it with Jones, but other people are going to be doing these kind of builds anyway. So I, I probably can't play Jones. I'll play Barkley for sure. Um, you know, he's really, really expensive, but you laid out just how incredible of a matchup it is. And yeah, I mean, with the lions, it's just, but until they figure out whatever they're doing with their running backs, there's like one playable line, which, so, which makes this whole game yeah. difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very concentrated, like you brought up with, with the match we discussed earlier. But how, what percentage do you think of the lineups that have Daniel Jones will play a pass catcher outside of Saquon Barkley? Like, if you have to say 60%, 70%, 80% will play like a Wandell Robinson or Darius Slayton. Like, this might actually be the position where you can run out Daniel Jones naked and feel good about it, although he's not even naked because you could be playing him with Barkley. But – they haven't thrown a whole lot to Barkley no, they this year since early in the year. Like early in the year, I was pretty excited about the idea of doing Jones and Barkley. The way that this offense has moved is like they've become a run the ball defense team, which means Barkley is primarily getting his value as a rusher. And, and Jones, like Jones' ceiling game is primarily through rushing and rushing touchdowns. So I don't think I want to play Jones with Barkley either because I think they're competing against each other for the rushing touchdowns, which is really what I'm banking on for either of their ceiling. So it's just, yeah, I, I like all the plays individually. I'm, I'm just, like I said, with the other game, it's like I'm trying to find ways where I can play players that I like that have ceilings, a decent projections, not ownership. And this game isn't really it for me. I mean, the other issue that I have with this game generally is it just seems like this game could so easily kind of just, float along i mean this game could take two and a half hours i mean we mentioned this is a risk factor or i did last week with the bears and the lions if they both went run heavy you know fields kind of blows that up by all these explosive plays right but you think about how the giants get down the field they mostly run it and then they throw it to like these tight ends and slot wide receivers like five yards at a time occasionally they go deep to slayton that's pretty much the only guy who makes any plays down the field for them that makes explosive plays and with the lions I mean, they've eliminated Swift essentially from the offense. So they're basically plodding along for three and a half yards of carry with Jamal Williams. And then they throw a million balls to Amon Ross St. Brown, which I appreciate, but that's not moving the ball down the field at a particularly quick rate, right? It's like eight yard slants to Amon Ra and four yard runs to Jamal. And we'll, we'll see you in 12 minutes at the end zone. Like I, there's just, I'm not sure that this game get, has like, it could go over. I'm not sure this game is the game that has 70 points because I feel like all these teams need eight minutes to score a touchdown. Well, yes and no. So this is the biggest thing for me, right, is is the Giants' defense. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be playing a bunch of, of uh, – or I'm sorry. I'm not going to be playing a bunch of Jamal Williams, right? Like I don't love Jamal Williams, but I feel like he is playable this week. I want Amon Ross St. Brown. But if I end up deciding to, to roll out Jamal Williams in a couple lineups, I think that he could absolutely hit because the Giants are, are trotted out there as a, a team that's good up against the running back, right? If you check him over there on DraftKings, he's going to be fourth, or the Giants are fourth up against the running back position, but they haven't been good. I mean, they face the ninth fewest rushing attempts per game, and they're allowing the ninth most rushing yards per game to the position. Like, they are literally getting run all over on. It's just the the factor of 
the team's getting down, right? The Giants have been winning in most games. The, the game mm-hmm. pace has been somewhat slower. So teams aren't able to get this run game established, and they really haven't played any good teams that have good running backs. And, and yet they still they still have gotten run all over on. So I think that Jamal Williams actually does have a chance to perform. I would love for Swift to be healthy. I would love, love, love for DeAndre Swift to be healthy for this game because I would be all over it, and I think the rest of the field would be as well. But he's not. And so I think that Jamal Williams is playable. I'm not going to throw him into a bunch of lineups. But I can see myself sneak him into a, a couple here and there if, if the price is right at, what, 6K, I think. Yeah, I mean, Jamal Williams has a, has a ceiling-ish, right? Like, if we look at his games, touchdowns. I mean, he, has, he definitely has two touchdowns in his bag. He's, he's hit 100 yards once, and he's hit 80 a few other times. So it's certainly possible he can get 102. So that's, that's 25 points. His pass-catching ceiling is like two catches. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's there. just not used in that role. I mean, even with Swift losing some of that, it's all that goes to Justin Jackson. Um, I mean, my issue with Williams always is it feels like the feels like the bet on Williams is almost like a bet against the running back position as a whole because his path to thirty is very difficult with with his role. Um, you know, he's probably he's a he's, he has a half decent chance of hitting twenty, half decent chance of hitting twenty five. Um, you know, are, is there going to be a highly owned running back that hits thirty five? Because if there is, then then you almost can't take out first place with Jamal. So I just. I feel like I'm a negative nabob, but I am a negative nabob about this game and <laughs> that I'm probably just playing Barkley uh, and, and maybe some Amon Ra, but that is, all right, it's all not right. a game well, that I'm, I'm loving. Let's just hope. Let's just hope that if he does, you know, if you do end up getting him into your lineups, it feels like SpongeBob so he can swim through this DFS slate like like the champion he is. Let's I go like ahead Jamal and like manage, by the way. Like, I, like I'd happily fire him up in a managed league. Oh, yeah, like I'm yeah. Not, but yeah. DFS, it's just the issue of getting to that that upside and a slow pace to play game. I, I just really like Daniel Jones in this game, and I want to try and get him into as many lineups as, as I can this week um, without – you know, breaking the bank on like the 20% ownership levels where it's just going to ruin me if I play him too much. Like I, I want to just have a very healthy share of him. I think I'd, if I think if I was set on playing Daniel Jones, I think I'd play the most late. All right. Right. I mean, Let's he's go the guy ahead. that the 50 yard touchdown. He is. And, and all he needs is four opportunities. Like we yeah. saw last week, he'll catch three of them for what was it? 85 yards and a touchdown. Like he, he has that in his own possibilities. I'm just really nervous about Jeffrey Okuda um, shadowing him the entire game. But I think that he can still get free. And he played, I think, seven or eight snaps out of the slot last week, too. So he, he sees some some snaps there. All right. Yeah. Your turn, Jacob. All right. Next game on our list. Well, are we going to try and go for five games here? Or are we doing four games? What's our time looking like? We're going to try. I'm going to try to squeeze in five. But the fifth one, all we right. don't need to talk about okay. as much because it's concentrated as well. I feel like all okay. these games are pretty concentrated. All right. So let's, let's talk about the Bears and the Falcons. Um, we got the, the two teams. It's an interesting game in that it has, uh, I believe it's the second highest total uh, of any of the games on the main slate. It might even be the highest total. Uh, and yet it also has the two teams with the highest rush rate in the NFL this year, which is not usually what you see. I mean, the interesting thing with the Bears is like, I, Justin Fields is almost like the Nick Chubb of quarterbacks, where, you know, we always talk about like Nick Chubb seems like every week we're like, okay, actually it's fine that, you know, you can play him in stacks because he can rip off these 70 yard runs. And like, he's an explosive running back. It's not, you know, he's not just grinding you down five yards of carry. He can help a game get to a ceiling. And Justin Fields is like that for quarterbacks. Like he has these 60, 70 yard touchdown runs that completely invigorate the game where it's like, you don't even need the necessarily to be passing all the time to get there. He can create these massive ceiling games just as a naked quarterback. I mean, my, my, my reservation with fields always is like, it's just, it's hard. I'd always, I'd always like, if the projection is equal and the ownership is equal and everything, I'd always rather play the pocket passers because I know that they can't get there without bringing two guys with them. And then if I hit the two guys and I have them, then that's a third of my lineup done. Whereas a fields, it's like, okay, fields hit. And then it's like, does he need to bring anyone with him? Maybe he brings one. Maybe he just does it through rushing, you know, uh, and so then I have to pick somebody like, it's just, it sketches me out a little bit. That being said, he got the price bump this week up to 7,600. He did. And so I think that that is going to keep his ownership from being completely obscene, which is nice where, you know, we also get the Khalil Herbert IR situation, which means it's David Montgomery season in this great matchup against the Falcons. And so I think you can use Fields. I mean, we talked about it with Jones and Barkley competing for rushing touchdowns. Fields and Monty are definitely competing for rushing touchdowns. Where I think that 
you can derive some of that correlation benefit from fields in a way that normally difficult simply by leveraging off of David Montgomery. And then, you know, you have the opportunity with Mooney, uh, you know, who's been operating clearly as their number one wide receiver. He's playable. You have the opportunity with Claypool, who has not been playing enough routes yet, but he really has been quite involved when he's out there. And, and you got to think it's just a matter of time until his routes eventually get scaled up more and more. And of course, uh, the man of the hour, Cole Komet, who's been on an absolute tear uh, of late. So I think I would prefer to play fields with somebody. Um, I think I'm probably playing Mooney uh, or Claypool most often, but I think you go whatever way. And then the nice thing with Atlanta is like, you got a bunch of pieces on the Atlanta Falcons in a game with this really high total. And none of them are particularly prohibitive. Like they've been running this three running back committee, which is a bit of a pain in the ass. So you can kind of play whatever of them if you like to, I would prefer to play Patterson. If I'm playing one, I'm probably avoiding, but London and Pitts. Uh, I mean, look, if you're going to assume the game, it's a total. If you want to play where Chicago's from behind and they have to pass a little bit, it more weeks than not this year, over 50% of the Falcons targets go to London and Pitts. Um, like those are the guys that are getting the targets in this offense. The efficiency has been horrific because Marcus Mariota is not an NFL quarterback. Uh, but you know, if you want to bet on this game to get the over, you know, probably it's not bad to, to bet on a little bit of something there. And I think you can play Mariota too. I mean, Mariota as bad as he's been in the NFL. He's been pretty good for fantasy. Yeah. I, it's been brutal, man. It's been brutal watching Kyle Pitts, like go out there, run routes, get open and then not get hit by his quarterback. It's been so horrendous for fantasy. It's been yeah, very frustrating. So we, we can only hope that it gets better. And we talked about this over on our Wednesday night show. You guys can go check it out over there on youtube.com slash fantasy intervention every Wednesday at eight o'clock. Uh, we just talked about how frustrating it is. Like, like when is Ritter season going to happen? And you know, that doesn't help us out for DFS this week, but it does. Maybe it does. Maybe it happens at halftime. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe it does. I, I'm interested in playing this game to an extent, um, but I feel like these are the, the the plays. This is the game where I want to play like independent guys. I don't really want to get too heavy on the stacks. Like, you know, I talked about Daniel Jones running them out naked outside of Saquon Barkley, which isn't really naked. But Justin Fields, I could feel very comfortable running out naked. No Montgomery, no Darnell Mooney. No Cole Komet because I can guarantee you 70, 80%, probably even more than that, probably 95% are stacking Justin Fields with one of his playmakers. So if I go out there, I roll him out naked, he ends up spreading the ball around, he gives it to Mooney, you know, three receptions for, for 65 yards and a touchdown. He gets Cole Komet in the end zone, maybe one time on one catch. Maybe Cole Komet doesn't even get into the end zone because he's been so efficient lately that the defense kind of buckles down on that. Then I could see... Justin Fields still having a, a somewhat epic game, but he doesn't bring anybody with him. So I'm down to take uh, Justin Fields, roll him out there naked. I think this week more than any week that we've seen thus far. Um, you know, meanwhile, I, I don't know that I want to play anybody as a run back for this game. It's it's almost like I want to play just one player. I, I could yeah. see myself. I could see myself going with, with either Drake London or I could see myself going with, with Kyle Pitts, but the efficiency has just been so brutal that I don't know that I want to. I think I only want one guy from this game, and that's Justin Fields. I mean, look, whenever – I mean, the thing is I don't really have player takes on these slates, right? So if, if that's my take, that's kind of how I feel about the Giants-Lions game where I'm like I only really want to play Jones. And if I only want to play a quarterback, I don't want to play anyone on either team aside from that, I'm just not going to play the game because I don't want to be right on my quarterback and then have to get eight more things right. Like I want to be right. And it's like, okay, that solves half my lineup. And then I just have to worry about the rest. I'm not quite there with this game. I like this game more. I do want to play fields. I, I think that, I think that the opportunity to leverage off Montgomery and the opportunity to play Atlanta players with ceilings, you know, even if their floor is getting three targets out of 10 total pass attempts uh, is appealing to me. And I think probably my favorite way to play it is fields plus either of Mooney or Claypool, plus Pitts. Um, you know, Pitts, he's a frustrating play. Obviously, we have not seen it. But, like, you look at how many targets he's earning on his routes. It's the highest among all tight ends. He's, like, in a tier only with Mark Andrews, essentially, uh, among every down tight ends. And it, it's hard to project in a median for him to do well. 
because I like I get it. Mariota's been bad. They don't pass a lot. But when you have that type of opportunities for exponential growth, where if a team gets forced into it, he can really separate at a $4,400 price. Like it's just, he has those opportunities for exponential growth that other tight ends don't have because they're just not getting used in the same way. They're not getting used downfield. They're not getting used on these targets. So like, it's hard just like out here, like martingaling pits for the 11th straight week. But I, I do think in a game with a 49 and a half total, you know, he makes sense. Uh, and certainly I think I would prefer to play it through Fields plus pass catcher plus Atlanta pass catcher of some kind, I think, than playing it through Montgomery at much higher ownership. Can I interest you in some Trish, Tristan Ebner? Because I love this guy. Oh, I, I, I can't do it in DFS either. He's super cheap. Get into breaking off a big one. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but Justin Fields doesn't pass the running back as much. And that's going to be Tristan Ebner's uh, MO, is him being able to, to get some work in the receiving game. You know, I, I think he's so. going to be a valuable. I think he's going to be valuable for the NFL team itself. But when it comes to DFS, even for like redraft and and some dynasty leagues, I think that he's borderline startable. In fact, they traded a third round pick for him in dynasty. But for DFS purposes, he's not going to be that guy to get you there at, at the baseline that he's sitting at right now. So let's go ahead and let's bring up one more game. I don't think it, it deserves that much discussion. Uh, but we look at the the Colts. And Matt Ryan, who's back, baby, he's back. Jeff Saturday's leading them to the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to see this massive explosion from this Colts offense, which we saw last oh, week. Man. Hey, my start of the week, my flag plant last week was was the expensive yes. Jonathan Taylor. That was Love my that. flag plant. That was the guy that I said was going to get you to the promised land. And guess what? He came in at like like five percent ownership, even if even that. I think it was actually like 4% yeah. Oh, ownership. that was phenomenal. Loved Nothing. It. Nothing. He crushed it last week. That pick right there was was my dude. I had him and it was every I had him literally. I don't normally when I build up multiple lineups, I don't normally go over 50% on a player because I don't want to just destroy all of my lineups. I had him in 85% of my lineups, which is why I won so much money last week. Uh, you know, because he actually did hit. So that was my yeah. flag plant. That was my guy. Thank God. Thank you, Jonathan Taylor, because you saved me from losing my ass on how much I played you last week. I normally don't do that, but if you're watching, thank you so much. Thank you. Mm. So this week they go up against the Eagles and the Eagles have been brutal. They went out uh, up against the running back in the middle. Excuse me. They've been brutal up against the running back yeah. in the middle. Uh, they got dominated by, by the commanders uh, after they decided to run the ball down their throat. And they went out and they brought in Linville Joseph, Joseph, Joseph excuse me, and Indomagasu. Well, Indomagasu last year missed 20 or 19% of his tackles up against the run. <laughs> So he wasn't good. Linville Joseph was Joseph was a lot better, but I mean he was playing pretty much as the only guy on that defensive line last year for the Chargers. So of course he had to accumulate tackles because nobody else was. These both are players who've been sitting on the free agent waiver wire, waiting for a goal, waiting mm -hmm. to get off their asses, waiting to get off the couch, and they're they're not assets to any team. So they're going to be rotational players. Well, what happens when you bring in a rotational player that doesn't know the defense, that, that hasn't played in the system lately, that's been sitting on the couch? They miss assignments, Jacob. They miss assignments. And guess what we want to see? We want to see stack boxes, and we want to see Jonathan Taylor break that first line of defense because of a missed assignment and go one-on-one -on -one with a safety or a cornerback and break off some big ones. That's why he was so successful last year, and that's why he's going to be successful again this week up against the Eagles. The, the best part about this is Matt Ryan passes – to the running back on 22 points, what was it, 5% of his attempts when he drops back. So, Dion not going to be healthy, right? They don't have Young any Jackson? Yeah. He's healthy. Yeah, he's playing. Borderline, but okay? Like he's, he's playing, but I, mean, I, he, but I don't know what playing is for Dion Jackson. Like, I, yeah, we, haven't seen, we haven't seen him healthy since Hines left. It could be last week, Jordan Wilkins, I think, had three plays. So yeah. I don't know. Jackson probably plays more than three plays. Is it 10? 10, 10? 10 I, I don't know. 10 snaps <laughs> yeah. is what I'm calling it. But I mean, that's yeah. still Jonathan Taylor oh, getting 85% of, right. of the snaps minimum. I agree. So Jonathan Taylor is an automatic play for me in a lot of my lineups. Maybe not 90% this week. I'll probably have around 30% to be honest. Last week, I just felt really good. felt really ballsy. I was putting it all in line. I was just slapping that thing out on the table. And I'm like, that's that's Jonathan Taylor for you, baby. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not going to have him that many. But he is still going to be in a successful position this week. And I think he's going to see a lot more targets than what he's seen thus far in the season, similar to what we saw last season. So Jonathan Taylor, for me, is a major play. I'm going to have some shares of Matt Ryan as well, believe it or not, because I still think that the Colts end up going down, thus the, the passing attempts that should end up going or the targets should end up going 
to the running back position, but I also want Paris Campbell because we know Vontae Maddox or whoever ends up playing because Vontae Maddox is hurt. Whoever ends up playing in the slot, they get beat down in the slot. They get beat down and they get beat down and they get beat down and the team just over-targets it. Paris Campbell is the guy in the slot. We know Matt Ryan's chemistry with Paris Campbell. We were bummed when Sam Ellinger came in because we're like, Paris Campbell, no! But guess what? Matt Ryan's back, and he's having a, a slightly a, a slightly improved projection for me personally, where I'm going to assume that he passes a little bit deeper down the field than his former offensive coordinator did. I, I think the Paris Campbell is, is going to get a massive amount of volume, has a significant chance at a touchdown because that's what the Eagles do is they allow their slot wide receivers to score. And we're going to see Jonathan Taylor. So I actually like a stack with Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, and Paris Campbell. I'm running it back with A.J. Brown, who is healthy. He was announced that he was healthy today. And I think that could absolutely win you some, some Millie Maker lineups because Matt Ryan's not going to have any ownership. Jonathan Taylor's ownership is still going to be pretty damn low because everybody's afraid that they improve their defense. And Paris Campbell, what, 5% or so? I think we're, we're looking at a winning lineup right there. Uh, I'm not playing Paris Campbell. Come on, um, Jacob. I don't have you on that. I didn't have you motivated, ready to get off the couch and go press play on Paris Campbell. No, I'm not playing Campbell. I'm not playing I'm, like both Pittman and Campbell look like they're really nice values. I'm sure they're going to wind up in some cash lineups. I think that it's fair to, to think that I'm not, I'm not thrilled about the idea of investing into ownership in a Matt Ryan led passing offense. I am very into Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, he's not going to be part of that top ownership block. We're still talking about a guy who we were regularly willingly paying nine K plus four last year in a Carson Wentz led offense. When Jonathan Taylor was still losing two minute drills and a lot of third downs and some situational usage in Naheem Hines, right? It's entirely plausible that his role is just significantly better now than it was last year when we were paying up over nine K their O line is worse. Okay, sure. Jonathan Taylor, you know, whatever concerns we had about his ankle status, I don't really have those concerns anymore. He looked damn healthy last week. So I, I think Jonathan Taylor is just underpriced and underowned, and I just want to play the shit out of him. Uh, and then with the Eagles, I mean, this is, I mean, look, I love Dallas Goddard. He's one of my favorite players. I'm not, I'm not happy to see him hurt whatsoever, but we're talking about one of the highest target drawing tight ends in the league just removed from this offense, right? Are his targets all going to flow to Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra? Maybe a couple, but I think not that many, right? I don't think that those guys are anywhere in the same league as Dallas Goddard in terms of being a football player. So all of a sudden, we're consolidating targets towards two players who have dominated a lot of them in their careers, right? This is not the vacated targets game for some tertiary crap option. We're talking about A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Two very capable players who can manage to suck up most of the target vacuum left out by Dallas Goddard before it's going to go over to these bums like Quez Watkins and Jack Stoll and everybody else. So I want to play a lot of Smith and a lot of Brown, and I want to play a lot of Taylor. I think you can easily play Hurts with Smith or Brown or just play the two of them together. I'm excited about this game. I want to play a lot of Taylor. I want to play a lot of both Smith and Brown. I mean, I think, I think Smith and Brown, in terms of how consistently they've been able to produce ceiling games and what types of target share they've been seeing on the year, despite the presence of Goddard, who I think is a phenomenal player. You know, we're talking about the tight end who's fourth in the NFL in yards per route run in Dallas Goddard. I think that's one of the best wide receiver combos in the league. And they currently get all the targets to themselves. I mean, I think we could be talking about, they're not going to throw as much as Miami, but to me, this is on the level of like a hill wall type consolidation of targets opportunity where everything that they do is going to go to these two guys. And that gets me really excited about playing them, I think, before people really fundamentally shift their projections up. So, so Jacob, real quick, you just made me think about something, right? And this is a study done, I think it was a year, maybe two ago, where uh, vacated targets middle of season. The targets typically end up benefiting the running back the most, right? The running backs actually soak up the most amount of targets if somebody ends up getting hurt, that's a primary pass catcher on the offense. So I know that Jalen hurts the mobile quarterback, which, which obviously hurts the, the running back position. But I mean, over the past three weeks, right, the Colts have played the uh, commanders who pass the running back, the Patriots who don't, and the Raiders who sometimes do. Uh, in this, this time period, they've allowed, or the Colts have allowed 72 or 10 for 72 and a touchdown four for 18 and a touchdown for the Patriots, and then 10 for 61 up against the Raiders. 
I mean, is this a position where I think like we think Miles Sanders might actually be able to to be that receiving back and, and get some value there? No. <laughs> um, to, God, among, among all running backs with uh with 10 or more targets who do you think is dead last in the nfl in yards per route run i don't even want to answer that i just set Miles up this sanders. whole thing Miles i know sanders. Uh, well, he's running a lot of routes he is running a lot of routes i mean I, okay I, how about this i'm okay i mean i don't mind just playing miles sanders it's fine um he has a ceiling right i think it's interesting he's shown a ceiling in in, in games before I'm not sure he'll make my final cut. I'm not against him intrinsically. I mean, if I'm playing Hurts, I would just play him with Smith and, and Brown or, or one of the two. I, I think that with Sanders, we'll probably see more targets. I think what would separate this situation from most to me in terms of the target vacation trends is like there just aren't that many teams with three pass catchers on the level of Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, and Devonta Smith. Like normally – Miles Sanders. Yeah, I'm Miles Sanders, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I should have like, said Kenny Gainwell, but yeah, go ahead. Right, like maybe the 49ers are somewhat on that level. I mean, the Bengals to some extent, but I don't think the Boyd, you know, is, is at the level of these guys. Uh, right, most of the time, it's like there's like one elite guy and there's one kind of good guy and there's a bunch of other mid guys. And so it's like when the elite guy goes and everybody has to step into a role they're not capable of. But I don't think this is a team that starved for pass catching talent. I think they just had an additional pass catching talent on their team and now I think things can can allocate. I mean, I, I think that Smith and Brown are totally capable of eating up 60% of the targets in a given game. All right, let's go ahead, Jacob, and let's build a lineup uh, real quick. I, I was looking at the, the Bears game, so you guys can see that up there. Um, let's start out with the stack. And, you know, I, I do like the the Dak Prescott stack. Um, I like the, the Kirk Cousins stack. Uh, which one are, are you a big – are you the biggest fan of for, for some of these stacks? Man, I mean, I don't think we're very in sync this week, unfortunately. No, we're uh, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure it out. Uh, like my <laughs> like my favorite the the stacks that I'm gonna play. I'll just be honest. Stacks I'm gonna play on Sunday. Like I don't know for sure what my lineups will be. The ones in my player pool are gonna be hurt stacks, field stacks, um, some some Dak stacks maybe, and I'm actually gonna play some Burrow stacks, uh, and and Allen. But so I don't know if any of those seem unobjectionable to you that you're down with, but otherwise, if you want to play whatever you want to play, I'll, we'll figure out the rest of the lineup. I'm, I'm not going to hold up. Let's go ahead and let's just do a hurt stack. Um, I feel like we, we've kind of pivoted down to quarterbacks over the past little while. I also really like going with, with Daniel Jones stacks, but um, I feel like we've, we've been pivoting down. Let's, let's go up this week and let's see what we can find value wise on the rest of the matchups. So let's go Jalen hurts. You want to play AJ Brown? Well, I mean, we want to play Taylor, right? Yeah. Oh, Taylor's a lock. Taylor's a lock. So, so let's put Taylor in, and uh, I mean, we're going to be spending a lot if we play pay up at, for Hertz and Taylor and Brown. Let's let's put Smith in for now, but I'm fine if we end up with this money to put Brown back in. I'm definitely down with that. All right, cool. And it says he does not have an injury designation, by the yeah, way. If you're on there. Um, meanwhile, just for the record, for everybody watching and seeing, like the Indianapolis. Uh, ranked number one up against wide receivers they've played like two wide receivers on the year and both wide receivers yeah both (laughs) wide receivers have destroyed them so there's no concern about indy being number one ranked up against uh wide receivers because they are they had they played the titans twice like without Traylon burks so i I went through the whole thing bad yeah yeah texans jaguars twice they they played the chiefs when juju specious were still getting you know worked in the offense the broncos who we know you know what happens with the quarterback situation over there uh the titans as you brought up the commanders who terry mclaurin tore him up the patriots who don't have a wide receiver and the raiders with devonta adams who tore him up so i mean like they haven't played anybody this year so yeah i'm gonna go ahead and uh, well, let's see. Is there another player that we want to actually play from this game? Because, I mean, honestly, like I, I'd like to get away from this game, I think, and try to yeah, focus on this. some of these other let's, positions. Let's do other stuff. And what, I mean, what are we going to play? Jack Stoll? Uh, no, we can play Tanner <laughs> Hudson instead. <laughs> um, I kind of like Adam Thielen. Uh, I like, uh, I like Michael Gallup. I mean, I want to try and get cheap enough to allow us to, to get expensive. Let's put in a defensive placeholder real quick. Somebody in the mid-range. Yes, do that. Um, we'll do, uh, I don't know, the Jets for now. Sounds good uh, that, to me. Yeah, that's mid-range, and they got a good front seven up against right. the Patriots. Well, let's just roll back and forth here. You pick, you pick anybody you like, and, and I'll play off that. 
Mm, okay. Um, I want to go cheap enough to give you something because I feel like, once again, I'm always taking the big ones. Uh, I'm going to play Devin Singletary. Okay. All right. Then, um, okay, I, I will keep it. I'll keep our salary in play here. Um, oh, you know what? No, I'm going to uh, – he just confirmed that he is indeed going to play. So you played Singletary. I'll take on the other side of this game. I'll play David and Joku. Oh, damn it. I was going to take Dalton Schultz. All right, fine. David and Joku. I might get double tight end uh, flex on you here, Jacob. I would have won m- big money, okay, if I would have just let myself play double tight end. Um, which tight ends? Command and I would do Who? Schultz. I would do Dalton. No, Schultz, I mean so. which tight ends last week? Um, it was Komet and a big. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was a bigger oh, one. Okay, okay. It was one of the higher performing ones. Uh, Hawkinson, maybe. I think it was Hawkinson. Okay. I can't remember. All right, let's go ahead and let's hop over. I, I want to play somebody from this Dallas-Minnesota game because I think it's going to be highly concentrated. Right. Um, I really want to play CeeDee Lamb, but that might kill us in salary. Are you okay with playing CeeDee Lamb and pivoting yeah, down do to somebody? CD. We can okay. do CeeDee, I think. I, think I mean, he's going to be chalky, CD. but I, I'd rather not fall behind because we don't play a chalk oh, yeah, option. Yeah. 3,900? Um, thirty nine hundred per person. That's a little. We're we're getting a little bit scary now. But let's see if we can make it work. If not, then then we can always transition out of it. Um. Okay. So I'm trying to see if there's anybody worthwhile, like super super cheap, because like there's Nico and there's Paris at like forty one or whatever. Is there anyone that's like even remotely viable at three k until we're getting into like isaiah hodgins and shit i'm not i'm not sure what about like um, kj osborne kj osborne what's he at? 4k 4k i mean is he like remotely involved in the off I, yeah that's a tough one for me kj osborne he is 11 targets last week 11 targets how many passes week. did kirk on kirk can he throw a million balls <laughs> probably let me actually check that while i have it how many passes did he throw i'm actually i, I don't remember. know the answer to this maybe uh, honestly if you uh, if you told me 50 attempts, so he saw a 20% okay. target share. If you told me that, that KJ Osborne had 11 targets, uh, I, I would have been floored, which obviously it's because he didn't do anything on those targets, so I, I was unaware of this. <laughs> but that's that's remarkable to me that, that he actually had 11 targets. Uh, I mean, that's, that's still above the salary range that we need. I, I think we got to pare down. Is there any? Can we save any at defense here? Is there any, is there any wiggle room? At yeah, yeah, we, we got a little bit of wiggle room over here. Uh, we could play... Oh, can we play the Steelers? I mean, they're going to be owned, but we really need the money. Or or the Texans. Uh, I'll take the Texans. They, the they got a good yeah. – I'll okay. take the Texans. That's fine. I okay. mean, that saved, right. us, that saved us a couple a couple hundred per position, 400 total. Okay. Okay. Um, so then let's – oh, man, this freaking lineup here. <laughs> Is it making you nervous? Is it getting you all hot and bothered? I well, mean, I'm just trying to find the money. That's all. What about we uh, – oh, Paris Campbell's right there. So let's say that we pivot down from CD Lamb, okay? We can still get in Paris Campbell and get in KJ Osborne. <laughs> I'd rather play Alec Pierce at less ownership of $3,900. Uh, I'd certainly want to play KJ Osborne. Uh, look, okay, let's, let's, play, let's play Gallup instead of Lamb. And can we play Gallup and Thielen? I mean that's that's low owned access to a game that I like. I'm I'm okay with that. If you want like access it. to that game, I think that's interesting. We we can definitely go that route. I'd much rather play Thielen than Osborne. And then we're sitting here at 5100. Uh, that's, oh, that's uh, money. Yeah, that that's money? perfect for Paris Campbell. No, that's 4100. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We got a lot. We got a lot of money. I'm not playing Pickens. Um, I, I never want to play Pickens. Devin Duvernay up against Carolina. I love Devin Duvernay this week, and I never got to talk about him. Uh, sh- sure. It's all your account. So my, my account doesn't actually allow me to click the Devin Duvernay name. Dude, he's um, giving you performances, man. He succeeded. You just don't want to play him because you're a hater. Yeah, I don't like low dot bros. All right. Or I will we play can, this exact or we can go Slayton. Slayton or Duvernay, your pick. <laughs> Which, whichever you want. I'm going to play this lineup with Drake London. <laughs> you play Duvernay or Slayton, you pick. Uh, I'm going to play... I'm going to play uh, Slayton, I think. Slayton, All to right. me, is, is more appealing just because of the uh, – I mean, Duvernay is appealing too, but I think this is going to be a higher-scoring game, uh, Detroit okay. and the Giants. So I'm going to go ahead and take that. All right, Sweet. lock is in. We're in there. We got to get out of here, man. We're running behind, but we need – before we do, we need to go ahead and name our flag plants 
for the week, who are our guys that we know is absolutely going to hammer it home, that don't have high ownership, that's not going to be chalk. They can be expensive. They can be cheap. They can be whatever you want them to be. All right. My guy, I mean, originally I was going to talk up Taylor, but it sounds like you might be ancient towards that again. So I'll stay with that game. And I'll say that my flag plant is Devonta Smith, although I also love A.J. Brown. Everything that I mentioned with the Dallas Goddard removal, right? It's like this Jenga piece just been removed from this offense. It's creating so much space for these other two elite options to work. A.J. Brown is the alpha in the room, right? And he's come in and he's mostly taken over. But Devonta Smith has shown an elite ceiling this season. He's been a wide receiver capable of earning up over 22% of targets per route run when he's been the guy as a rookie. He's developed even further this year, maintained that target earning potential despite one of the best wide receivers in the NFL coming in. Now with the room to breathe, I think the Slim Reaper is going to be in for an outstanding next rest of season, quite honestly. And this is going to be the start of his stretch as a top 12 wide receiver from here to the end of the year. Ooh, fire, fire. I'm going to go with with two different flag plants, Jacob. My first one, you already got it, man, Jonathan Taylor. I want to go two for two, right? I want to go two for two with Jonathan Taylor. He's going to see the targets, yada, yada, yada. We already talked about it. But the other guy, the other guy that I'm going to plant my flag in is a guy that I have failed at epically this season so far in in taking the position with a cheap player that has a a chance to get over the 30 fantasy points. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, Jacob, Okay. That Tell me. Our, I'm telling you right now. Tell me. That our number one, our number one quarterback on the week, in in terms of return on value, right, or return on investment (ROI), is going to be Daniel Motherfucking Jones. Let's go. 